It is such a joy to be back here in Muncie and at Union Chapel with all of you guys. So many faces of people that, that we just dearly love and were such a huge part of our story. And I know there's many of you guys that I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet. So before I really get started, I want to share just a little bit about me. I am originally from Southwest Florida. The best way to explain what being from Southwest Florida like is to show you a picture of a swamp buggy. See, if you didn't know what a swamp buggy is, now you know. Um, that's my mom with the 12-gauge and my dad with the 30 out 6 um, That's the rest of my family, and that's what life in Southwest Florida was like, at least in the 80s. A lot has changed there, but the same draws are still real on families. And I'm originally from Southwest Florida, and that's where a lot of rough stuff happened in my family as well. We weren't a church family. In fact, one of my only interactions that I really have a clear memory of as a kid with the church is I got yelled at for riding my bike through their parking lot and I was probably acting like a crazy person, but it's the truth. Uh, and that's, that was my interaction with the church as a kid. And when my dad left our family and, and things tore apart and people fell into depression and isolation, we didn't have a church, we didn't have God, we didn't have people to walk us through that. And so it was really a tough number of years. And then as a 17 year old, I came to faith in Christ. I'm gonna tell you, God changed everything. When I made the decision to place my heart into his hands and trust him with my life, he began healing things that I didn't know was broken. He began to give me a hope and a future that I never could have dreamed of. And that moment where I placed my faith in Jesus Christ was the most important moment of my life. And what, have I, what I've experienced since then has just led me to say, God, whatever you want of my life, I, I wanna do that. I trust you. I know that you're good. And, and as, we, um, as life went on, I got to meet Tia and made the best decision of my life. Might be the worst decision of her life to marry me, but she's stuck with me now. Um, this is my family. And uh, Tia is a nurse practitioner now. She got her master's from Ball State. And the old, oldest on the left on my shoulder, that's Ella. She is finishing third grade. And then Aaliyah is in the middle. She just finished kindergarten. That's Odessa. She just finished preschool. And Anthony just turned a year old. And they're all awesome. I got to show you this picture of Anthony. Go to the next one. Look at that bow tie. Come on. That is an amazing picture. And then one more of my girls, which just shows you some of their personality. Ella holding things together. Odessa is just ferocious and playful. And Aaliyah is just always happy. We, we are blessed and thankful for our family. And our family was overjoyed when we had the opportunity in 2012 to join the staff here at Union Chapel. To come to a church that does something like Serve. Have you guys been part of Serve? You know what I'm talking about. To see the way this church impacts the community, that just resounded with our heart. And we also knew that this church was passionate about reaching this community, not just serving them, but reaching them with the gospel. And that just resounded with our heart. And as we served here, after about a year, Pastor Greg and the staff entrusted me with the opportunity to oversee one of our first big pushes into the community to strategically reach Muncie. Do you guys remember the Before I Die series that we did? Yeah, that was an awesome time in our church. The very first Sunday of that series, uh, we, we had challenged you guys to be invitational. And the very first Sunday of that series, we had 400 new visitors on this campus during the first weekend. And as a staff, we were excited and exhausted and tired and crying and laughing and loving it. And I remember I was standing up in that corner during the first weekend when in here it was just standing room only, just thanking God for the opportunity to be part of a team like this. When I heard this whisper from God, it said, Paul, I'm going to move you towards church planting and church growth. And I had a mini heart attack in that moment. 
Because God, we had a prearranged plan. My family's gonna grow up here in Muncie. I'm gonna be in youth ministry until I'm too old to do youth ministry. And then I'm gonna teach youth ministry at a college somewhere. And then I'm gonna die a happy old man and it's gonna be great and I'm gonna know what's gonna happen. And that is our plan, God. And I seriously did not say what God was putting on my heart out loud for a year. I just prayed about it, kind of prayed that it would go away, but that that calling just remained. And after a year, I sat my wife down. She probably thought I was about to tell her I had cancer or something because I was so serious. I was like, Tia, sit down. I need to tell you something. I feel like God's calling me to plant a church. And she's like, you, why did you do that to me? And she, she said, Paul, I've seen this growing in you. I've seen your joy in teaching. I've seen the spiritual fruit that comes from your teaching. I've seen your passion about moving the church out into the community. Whatever God calls us towards, wherever that takes us, I'm with you. I trust you. Let's go. And she, being wise, she said, and I think you should talk with Greg about it. And I said, you're right, I should. And I will, but it's just not the right time yet. And so we prayed about it for almost another year. And then finally, in my heart, I felt like, okay, I have a piece from God about talking with Greg about this. So I went to Chrissy Bright, his assistant, and said, hey, Chrissy, I need to have an appointment with Greg. And she said, okay, what's it about? I need to have an appointment with Greg. (laughs) And she's like, okay, and and wrote it down. And I'm going to tell you, this is a very mean thing to do to a pastor, to say, I want a meeting with you, but I don't want to tell you what it's about. That is not a kind thing to do, because the worst case scenarios start going through their mind, you know, what has happened. And so I have this meeting with Greg, and he's obviously curious, okay, what is this going to be about, Paul? Let's, let's get started. And I tell him what God is putting on my heart, and he, he says, you know, I've seen God do this here in Union Chapel before. This just seems to be how the spirit works. He calls people to go out and impact the world, and I've learned not to fight against it. And also, it's not by chance that just a couple weeks ago, I was reunited with an old friend. And this old friend, he knows a thing or two about church planting. He planted a church that grew to over 3,000 people, and he helped on 75 church plant attempts, and 73 of them became thriving churches, which is an unreal statistic. And he looks for a certain gift set and personality profile and church planter, so I want to put you through his systems, and we'll go from there and see what he says. And that's when he connected me with Pastor Robin Wood, who's now on staff here as well. And Robin started going through my history, my past pains, my past experiences, my gifts, and putting me through this rigorous profile test. And he put Tia through the same thing, and he came out and said, Paul and Tia both have the gift set that we look for. I think that they can plant. And Greg and Robin started pouring into my life and and mentoring me and teaching me and calling me out on areas that I needed to grow and things that I needed to deal with. And it was a monumental year in my life of getting to learn from them and learn from their leadership. And they said, Paul, we believe you can plant. And you need to figure out where God's calling you towards. There's just a few things that we believe have to be part of that. One, it has to be a place you could see yourself living for a long time, being part of the community, a community that you love. And it has to be at least four hours away. We just believe that's a healthy thing for a church plant. It can't be right in our backyard So pray about it, figure it out. And so I started getting input from some other church planners, guys who've done it, and said, how do I discern this call? And they said, well, you know, you look for a good city, a city that needs a church, but also when you get your feet on the ground, we believe that God shows you things. 
You just go to the grocery store, start talking to people, go to fast food restaurants and just talk to people and just see if God shows you something. And so I, I found out that there's this church planning conference and near a city that I was interested in. We looked at Southwest Florida. We looked all over the U.S., but Southwest Florida is growing. Florida's actually been growing in population in huge ways. And there's a city that another pastor pointed me towards. He said, this city definitely needs a church. The city's called Cape Coral. It's been listed as one of the fastest growing cities for the last few years. Forbes magazine in 2016 and 2017 just listed it as the number one fastest growing city in the U.S. It is the fastest job growth percentage in any other city in the U.S. as well. So, I mean, there, there's things happening there. I'm going to show you on the map. Here's a map of Florida with a little stars to where Cape, or a little arrow where Cape Coral is in Florida. So you get some perspective. And then I have another picture where we're more zoomed in on the city. And so this is Cape Coral. As we looked at the city, it looks like a great opportunity because there's 180,000 people in this city. It's the second largest geographical city in Florida and only the 10th most populated. And it developed kind of from the south moving northward. And so all the churches are mid to south Cape and they've built out all these neighborhoods but there's not any churches up in that area. And so if you live near that star, you're driving about 30 minutes away to find a life-giving church um, at minimum. Most people are driving an hour into Fort Myers for a church if they attend. If and a lot of people just say, oh, there's not anything around, so I'm just not going to attend. So this city looked like it had opportunity. And I go to this conference there, and I was in Fort Myers, and in between every session, I would just drive across, go into Cape Coral, go to a fast food restaurant, start talking to people, and I started knocking on church doors. Now imagine this if you can. I'm going up to these church doors and just knocking on them and saying, hey, can I talk with your senior pastor? I think I'd like to plant a church in the same city as you. I mean, some people could take that in the wrong way, all right? But it was amazing that door after door I knocked on, one, I got to talk with one of the pastors, and two, they all said, yes, we need more churches in Cape Coral. By their estimation, 15,000 out of the 180,000 people in Cape Coral, 15,000 attend church in Cape Coral during the weekend. So we're talking about 165,000 people who need a church home. Not only that, Cape Coral is growing by about 10,000 people per year. They're adding 10,000 people per year. And so it's a growing city. And they said, yes, we definitely need churches in the Northeast. And I'm just going church to church, and I'm about to go to the one I'm most excited to talk to. It's the biggest church in Cape Coral. I pull in, and they have this amazing-looking coffee shop. They have a huge children's playground. They have like a splash pad water park out front for their kids. I mean, it's awesome looking. And I'm so excited to go knock on this door and I reach for the door handle in my car and I just hear this little whisper from God that says, don't knock on this door. And I throw a little internal fit. What? <laughs> this is the best door. I have to knock on this door. And I just, you know, I, I've heard this whisper enough that I just knew God was saying, don't, don't do it, not this one. And I'm throwing my fit, I'm calling Tia, help, hoping she'll bring me some insight to like why I should go knock on this door anyway and say, I just feel like God's telling me not to knock on this door, even though it's the biggest church in town. She says, well, don't knock on it, dummy. <laughs> and, and so, fine. And, you know, I drive on and keep going. And it was a great trip. I felt encouraged about the city's demographics, but I still felt like we were waiting for that, that sign. We had to have a sign that, that this was going to be the city God called us to. And so I'm gone from four day, for four days. Now, if you can remember what having young children is like or imagine or you're walking through it right now, you know that when one parent is gone for four days and the other parent has to take care of all of the kids by themselves, the proper reaction when the other parent gets home is for the parent who was home to throw the children at the other parent 
and go regain their sanity, all right? That's what's supposed to happen. And I get home, and I find out one of my old friends is moving to Fort Wayne, Indiana from Pennsylvania. And I say, Tia, I know this isn't fair, but I feel like I need to go help Stephen unload his moving truck. And I know I've been gone, and I'm asking you to do the whole bedtime routine and everything by yourself. And she says, no, no, it's okay. You should do that. Just go. Because she's a rock star, and she's amazing. She's beautiful, and I love her. And so she sends me up there, and I'm helping unload this truck. And I'm just telling my friend Stephen, yeah, God's calling us into this. I, I got to knock on all these doors. I got to connect with all these churches, except for Cape Christian. I feel like God's going to open some other door with them somehow, but I, I don't know yet. But it was a great trip. I'm just still not sure about Cape Coral. And in that moment, his mother-in-law, whom I've never met, walked through the room at that moment. She was carrying boxes too. And she said, did you say Cape Coral? And I said, yeah, why? She said, well, my college roommate, who's still my best friend, and her husband, they planted a church in Cape Coral 30 years ago. The name is Cape Christian. It's an awesome church. They have a coffee shop and a water park. <laughs> I, I know that he would love to talk with you. He's still there. And she calls him that night. By 6.30 a.m., I had a message in my Facebook inbox from Dennis Gingrich, the founding pastor of Cape Christian, who's still there, saying, yes, I would love to talk with Paul. I've already heard his name two other times this week. What? God, what are you doing? That's amazing. And I call and I have this like two-hour conversation with him where he's saying, yes, we need more churches. We'll support you however we, we can. I would love it if your team attended church with us while you guys are in your preparation stage until you launch. We, we need more churches in Cape Coral. I tell him about my wife, Tia, who's graduating with her master's in nursing. His wife is a nurse as well. And we have all these commonalities. It's this huge, encouraging conversation. And... It just feels like, okay, this is the sign. And then I get another email from the next day saying, Paul, I don't think it's by coincidence that I just got an emergency prayer request from the Christian clinic that we started in town that serves uninsured and underinsured people that they have an emergency need to hire a nurse practitioner. Do you want to guess where Tia works today? She gets to share the gospel with her patients. She gets to pray with her patients. She gets to share scriptural advice as well as use the gifts that God's given her in medicine to impact people. And, and it's just been this amazing story. It's just this, what are the odds that these things could happen? While I was going through my, my mentoring with Pastor Robin here, he actually wrote a book called What Are the Odds of All These Stories That God Did in the ministries of church planning. And, and I began to just see God is just writing this same kind of testimony. It's been awesome. And, and for us, taking this job with, with Samaritan's Clinic, it, it meant that she was gonna make less money and we were gonna be a little financially tighter than we wanted to be. And so moving to Southwest Florida, housing is more expensive than Muncie. That might come as a shock, but it's true. And for us, our family of six, we, we were going to be okay in a three-bedroom house. Six people in a bedroom house, we can manage that. We've always done that. I mean, we used to live in a 1,000-square-foot house in Ohio that was next to a trailer park and a railroad track, and we can be content there, no problem. But we understood it was going to be much more financially tight to get into a th three-bedroom house, and so we're, we're ready to do that. And I was actually talking on a Tuesday night. I was going to fly down on Friday to go look at houses and apartments in Cape Coral, and I was talking with Derek Lachine, the, the children pastor's husband, and just saying, 
I don't mind renting. It's great. Something breaks, you call someone else. They have to come and fix it. I'd be content renting for years. We don't have to own a house, but we'd like to one day. And having this conversation, I get a phone call in the middle of it from someone who doesn't normally call me and says, kind of in a gruff voice, Paul, I'm sick of you wasting your money on renting houses. I want you to buy a house when you get down there. I'm going to be the bank. You don't need a down payment. This is going to be your interest rate. Buy whatever house you want. I want you to be established in the community and invest in a house. I'm like, okay, well, maybe we will buy a house. You know, I'm not sold yet, but it would have to be the right house, right price, something we can afford. And Friday, I'm getting ready to fly down, looking at houses online. Now, I want you to understand, the neighborhoods that surround where we're having the church, I made a joke to my wife driving past. I said, hey, we should live in there because it looked like a resort. I mean, it was crazy beautiful. I was like, we would never be able to live in there. It was funny that I said it. I'm getting ready to fly down on Friday, and a house that was a foreclosure in that resort-style neighborhood, it was pending sale to someone, and they backed out on the bank. So it was already marked crazy down, undervalued. The bank is so ready to sell it that they marked it down by another $30,000 on the day that I'm flying down. We go down and look at 20 houses, and I'm like, well, we got to make an offer on this one because it's just so ridiculously priced. And the bank accepted our offer, and we now own a home and pay less per month than we would have to rent a three-bedroom house. Yeah, but listen to this, listen to this. I'm almost embarrassed to show my house because it's so nice. It's a five-bedroom, four-bath house. I have four women in my household. I have four bathrooms. God has blessed me, all right? And I believe that God gave us that house for a reason. One week after we moved into it, another family moved into a house two doors down from us. And they had a daughter the same age as my oldest daughter, which was just God's provision of a friend when we're moving down. We're so excited for that. And they're playing together in my daughter's room. They become fast friends. We hang out with their family all the time. And, I mean, we run through juice boxes and chicken nuggets like crazy in my house because we've got so many kids over there. But they're playing, and their daughter sees Ella's Bible on her desk. And she says, hey, what's that? And Ella says, it's my Bible. And she looked at Ella in all sincerity and said, what's a Bible? Now listen, this is the state of the culture. This is what's going on in the church in America, that we have children in our country, in our neighborhoods, who've literally not seen a Bible before. That might be hard to wrap your mind around as a churchgoer, but it's true in your neighborhood as well. Ella said, you know, it's the story about what God's done and what Jesus did for us, and she said, oh, and they went back to playing. For Christmas this year, Ella asked for a new Bible. She wanted a study Bible that was like glitter on it and pretty, and yeah, I'd love to buy you a Bible. And she said, oh yeah, and, and can we get her one too? Yes. Yes, we can. And now her and her family, they come to church with us. She goes on Wednesday nights to a children's ministry program and they, she brings that Bible and she's memorizing verses and she's growing and God is doing huge things in their family. God placed us in that neighborhood for a reason. Just another, I mean, there's so many things that are just these small steps of obedience that God opened these huge opportunities to. And I want you to hear that in this story, but I want you to know that for your life as well, that in the smallest opportunities of obedience, God just opens these huge doors. We were at the pool in our neighborhood swimming, and I have four children, remember that. My wife sees this big group of people playing volleyball, and she knows that I love to play volleyball. And I wasn't even thinking about it, because we've got our four kids in the pool. Three of them can swim great, but one's a one-year-old, and it's exhausting to juggle all these children. And she looks over there, and she says, Paul, they're playing volleyball. You should go play with them. 
And I'm like, are you sure you want to keep all four of these kids by yourself in here? And she says, yeah, I, I got it. And I was like, are you sure? And she says, yes, are you crazy? A little bit. Okay, I'm going to go now. And so I go and I play volleyball and I get to know th th this group and it's actually one big family. And here, here's my big pitch. They asked me what you do. This is my opportunity to give a big church planner pitch. I said, oh, I'm going to plant a church near here. That's all I said. Not very stunning. Um, didn't really present anything crazy, but I just shared that. And I believe that this is a direct result of obedience and a direct result of God's people praying. This family, it's a family of 16, actually. They have grown kids, they have adopted kids, and they have foster kids. And, and they drive an hour away to go to church. And they had been feeling the pressure of, we want to invite our neighbors, but our neighbors won't drive an hour away to our church. And during the mom of the family's quiet time that week, she heard from God clearly saying, you and all of your kids and your grown kids are going to be part of this church plant. So go find out more about it. And so they contacted us and I casted the vision for what we're going to do and what our community is going to be like. And it resounded with their heart and they're all coming now. And not only that, they are a team that leads worship at a church the same size as Union Chapel. God sent us 17 people to be part of our church plant and a whole crew that can lead worship for us. I mean, talk about what are the odds of this happening, right? I mean, isn't that awesome? But you know what? That wouldn't ha have happened if my wife didn't have a servant heart to say, hey, just go have fun. I mean, isn't that amazing, these small steps of, of obedience? If I didn't just say, hey, I'm going to go help my friend unpack his truck. I mean, think about all these opportunities that would have been lost if we didn't just take these small steps of obedience along the way. And so I, I have a great relationship with the founding pastor of Cape Christian. We've been attending there. I've gotten to know other staff members. But there's actually a lead pastor there who he's still pretty new at their church. And I hadn't been able to connect with him because he's so busy with other things. I mean, I've tried, but I just, the church planter in the area is kind of the bottom of the list, right? And, and so I, I've been struggling through that. I'm just going through my normal routine and taking my daughter to preschool, there, there's another family there and their daughter and my daughter became great friends. And they looked really cool. I mean, they're like covered in tattoos, like just cool people. And it's like, well, I, I would love to hang out with someone like that. And so we met, we had them over, and they asked me some questions about the church. I cast them the vision, and, and they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. I, I play guitar. I'd love to help play guitar, and we'll definitely start going to church again when, when your church opens. And I said, oh, that's awesome. I, I'm so thankful to have you guys be part of it with us. But why don't you just start coming to Cape Christian with us? I I'd love to see you guys get back into church right now. Don't wait for us to, to open in September. And they said, okay. And they came to church with us the next day. And as we're walking through the doors of the church, the founding pastor sees them and comes over so excited. And his wife is with him as well. And they're just hugging the people we brought and just catching up and just so excited to see them. And my friends go in the service with, with my wife, Tia, and they're like, we can't believe that God placed them in your life. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, just through preschool, we knew them, and they're like, we gotta talk later. And so I talk with them after the service, just me and the founding pastor, his wife, and the new lead pastor are standing there, and his wife starts weeping. And she says, when we moved to Cape Coral 30 years ago, the very first couple we met was his mom and dad. I coached him in soccer when he was a child. And we have prayed for them for years. And to see God place them in your life, we are just so encouraged and we know that God is gonna do great things through your church plant. 
we just can't believe what God is doing. And, and the lead pastor, the founding pastor's wife is just weeping. And the lead pastor walks kind of around the circle and nudges me and says, I think we should get together sometime. What's your cell phone number? And so we get together, he gets to know me a little bit, and he says, you know, how come you haven't asked the largest church in town for any money yet? What's up with that? I know the lead pastor there, he's kind of an uppity guy, but I think he'd give you something. And I was like, well, I'd be happy to ask him for some money and talk to him. And so we get together, and they want to give us $22,000. They want to send small groups to help staff our areas. They want to encourage anyone who lives in our area to join what we're doing. They want to take up a, he wants me to preach their weekend services and take up a love offering and give us that money on top of what they give us. I mean, they, they want to be a huge presence and help in our launch. And that is a huge answer to prayer. Because we as a church, we're preparing and we're gonna market and we're gonna have so many touches in the community that we're expecting between 200 to 350 people to come and check out Gulfside Church on our opening Sunday. And that's amazing and that's awesome. And I'm gonna tell you, that's not just like a wild hope. Like we are strategically preparing for that to happen. But where are those volunteers gonna come from? I mean, we have some launch team members, but we need outside support as well. Some of that's gonna come from Cape Christian. Some of that might come from some other churches in the area. But really, we need, we need help from you guys as well. I want to kind of begin to wrap up with, with this, this story that's happened. We have been on the news five times since we moved to Cape Coral, and they were all positive stories, just to throw that out there, all right? Five times. We're normally not on the news. I don't think I've ever been on the news before moving to Cape Coral, and the last time was probably one of the most intense situations that happened. And it was just a normal morning. I was driving back from dropping Odessa off at preschool, and I'm stopped at a light. There's one car ahead of me, and we're waiting to turn left. And if you can imagine a road like McGalliard that's busy, a 15-year-old girl in the middle of the day, on a school day, walks across two lanes of traffic. She looks angry, and she walks up to the window of the minivan in front of me, and she snaps a picture and runs back across the street and is walking again. And this van in front of me, it turns left, and it just looks like it's going down the road, and then it pulls a U-turn to go back towards her. And internally, there's kind of an alarm that goes off in my head. But at the same time, there's a conversation that begins to happen. I have a schedule to keep. I have things that I have to do today. I'm sure that she'll be all right. I'm sure, you know, nothing's going to happen. It'll be fine. Maybe someone else will handle it. I just, I should keep going through my day. But at the same time, that alarm bell is something that I have to listen to. And so I do a U-turn. Just, I'll just make sure nothing happens. I'll just drive by. I'm sure it'll be fine. And this minivan goes back past the girl and does a U-turn to go back towards her again. Okay, this is getting weird. So I do a U-turn and follow him, and she's making a beeline towards some buildings away from the road, trying to get somewhere. He hurries in to the same parking lot that she is and cuts her off before she can get to the buildings. She's yelling. I can tell his window's down. He's saying something to her. And I'm pulling up to the entrance to that parking lot, and I have a decision to make. Will I go straight and continue my day and my commitments, or will I interject myself into the situation? And so I do what I would hope anyone else would do. I take my minivan 
and I pull and I put it in between his minivan and her and just roll down my window and say, hey, are you okay? And she says, no, I don't know this man and he keeps trying to get me inside of his van. And as she starts to talk to me, he looks at me and he just hightails it out of there in his van. I don't know what would have happened. I can't say, but I do know she was scared. Called the police, let them know, and they are investigating it. And maybe she would have been fine, maybe something terrible would, would have happened, but I don't know, but I know that by interjecting, by listening to that voice that says, you are able to do something, God used that situation. And that girl's safe. And I think that that's comparable to what we see a lot as a church. Because we have this opportunity before us. Both in Cape Coral, we did it in Marietta, and we're hoping to reach many other cities throughout the U.S. But for you and me, I know that we have time commitments. I know we have financial obligations. But we also see this opportunity to plant a life-giving church in a community that desperately needs it. And the question becomes, will you just keep driving by on your schedule and your things to do, or will you do something? And church, this is my challenge to you. Take a small step of obedience. Don't just keep driving past the opportunities that God opens for you to make a difference. And maybe for you, it's, it's giving to reach. It's through reach that we're able to plant churches across this country. We need physical presence as well. There's a green sheet inside of your bulletin where you can sign up and you can actually be with us in Cape Coral during our launch. Help us get the word out. Help us provide a safe atmosphere for children. Help us welcome people as they come in. Help us get things set up and torn down. You can actually physically help us launch this church in Cape Coral. But this is my request for you. Don't just keep driving by the opportunity. No matter how small or large, will you agree to do something Step out in faith and see what God does through your obedience. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the doors that you open, for the opportunities that you give us, and that when we step out, you are faithful and you are powerful and you are able to cause spiritual fruit to happen. And so, Father, as you put it on our heart and your spirit moves, give us the courage to be obedient. And Lord, we lift Cape Coral up to you and we pray that hundreds of people would come to know Jesus Christ because of the steps of commitment that this church takes. Because the decisions that are made here to commit to building your kingdom and may lives and families be changed because of the ministry that occurs in Gulfside Church. And we just pray that the same blessing that has been on Union Chapel would be upon Gulfside Church and the people of Cape Coral. We thank you for what you're gonna do and we believe in faith. And it's in your son's name that we ask these things. And in his name we pray, his powerful and mighty name. Amen. Just before we sing our closing song, the ushers are going to come by. So if you have anything that you want to add to the REACH campaign, maybe you've pledged to REACH, maybe you want to give a little bit more. If you've not pledged to REACH, it's a two-year campaign. We've just got seven months left, so it's like a seven-month pledge. If you want to do that, that will help our initiatives in Cape Coral. And, of course, this green insert has to be about your physical presence in September. And maybe you need to talk to your, to your employer, or maybe you need to check your 
calendar again and think about the logistics a little bit. Uh, and so you can hang on to this and turn it in anytime. We'll be in touch with you. Anyway, there are lots of opportunities to be supportive. So uh, just drop this in the offering as it goes by as we're singing the closing song. Let's stand now. Thanks. Thanks.